Today, we are going to have a conversation all about the five things I think you should never do in your yoga practice. It's just you and me today, and I'm excited to share this time with you. Before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to the online and in spirit community. You all inspire me on the daily with what you are achieving on and off the mat, and this podcast would not have the success it's been having without you sharing your stories with us. I can't wait to dig in and get more of you to sit down with me and have a good yoga chat. It's really been such a fun time. And with that, we begin. Hello, and welcome to the Meet Me on Your Mat podcast the space to get and stay inspired to keep up a lifelong yoga practice. My name is Tori, and I'm a yoga teacher that loves to explore the why of someone's practice. And that's what we do here. Expect conversations with real people that step on their mat daily, even though it would be easier to do something else with their time. Career, kids, the ups and downs of life and yoga, we are going to talk about it all. Let's get started. Okay, so today we are going to cover five things that I believe you should never do in your yoga practice. So this whole this whole podcast and and pretty much everything um, that I've created through Meet Me on Your Mat is all about how to not only connect with other like-minded people who just love yoga and have yoga as part of their daily life, uh, but also to, you know, serve you in a way that you feel uh, you can keep up a lifelong yoga practice. And so there are some things that will definitely get in your way through the years. And so today we're going to cover that so that you really feel empowered in your practice. And I hope this conversation helps you with that. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is um, the one thing that I think you should never do in your yoga practice. And this is going to kind of sound like a duh, of course you shouldn't do this. Uh, But as we talk about it, it might open you up to some new insights on it. And that first thing is to force a posture. All right. So a lot of the times when you uh, become a little bit more advanced in your yoga practice, you start forcing things, uh, or you start chasing certain postures. That's often what I call it. Like you're chasing Mayurasana, you're chasing scorpion, and there's nothing wrong with chasing a posture. I chase plenty of postures every week, every day, um, that I'm just kind of working the nuances of and trying to get better form and technique or have those aha moments in a posture. But there does become this thing where only concentrated on one single posture. And though a lot of teachers might think that that is okay, I do believe that you need to concentrate on a wide variety of asanas in your practice so that you are gaining strength and mobility and flexibility in several different ways. And um, I have seen through the years plenty of yogis force postures. You know, they're not building a posture. They're forcing the look of a posture. All right. And I, what I have to say about that is you can only do that for so long. <laughs> you know, you can only force 
the look of a posture for so long until your body is going to start fighting back. And what I mean is that you've kind of skipped you've skipped over a step in the posture because every posture can be broken down to its very beginnings and then should have steps along the way. Like if you can do step one, then maybe go and start working for step two of a posture. Uh, And I believe that that is true for every darn posture out there. You know, if, if you can, you know, barely grab your foot and let's say like a big toe hold or uh, standing head to knee, then the work is as basic as is like round forward or start to bring the leg up to you and start to see if you can get a little closer to getting that grip. And that is step one. But I see plenty of people, you know, move forward with a posture when, you know, that first basic uh, foundation of the posture has yet to be established. And so that is um, something that is just a big no-no in your practice. Uh, I have seen people uh, disregard backbending technique even, you know, because they've always gone so far, it always looked impressive, but the technique wasn't good. So instead of going back and really fixing that technique, they continue to just bam, right into the low spine over and over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, their low spine really hurts, their hips are totally out of whack, um, they're having to see multiple therapists and doctors and you know things are starting to happen um, in the opposite way. And for what, you know, so that you could have like this really great Instagram post? I, like that whole part of uh, what has happened um, in the yoga world since I started practicing. Because when I started practicing in 2005, it was weird to take a picture of your your yoga practice. And now I, even though I, you know, I encourage that you take pictures of your yoga practice because it proves that things have changed, you know? So you can look at a picture from, you know, 2010, you can look at a picture from 2015 and be like, yeah, things have definitely changed in my practice. I am improving. And so I I believe in doing that, but just forcing a posture to get a look of a posture so that you can, you know, post it to social media or something like that, that I totally do not understand (laughs) at all. Um, So if for some reason, and I'm I'm not scolding you if that's what you do, but if for some reason you've gotten to that headspace, go back and, and figure out why you started your practice, you know, because it wasn't for Instagram, you know, it was for you. And or go back and think about why, why you're, you, can, you, you must, you know, do a certain part of a posture, even though, you know, in the back of your mind, or you've had several teachers be like, hey, why don't you wait for that step? Or why don't we try this instead? And you just totally ignore it. Go back and figure out why you're doing that for yourself. Like what, what is, what's getting in your way? What, what is, what is, um, honestly, you know, like what is your why behind the action of that? Is it just to prove that you're right or that you can? And then, and then just see if that serves you, you know, like I said, it's your life and it's your practice. But if you are, you know, chronically getting injured within your practice uh, or, you know, you feel stuck in one place, it might be because you're forcing something that's not ready to, um, come to fruition within your practice and instead get with a good teacher that can teach you steps all right that can teach you how to build because I think that that's really uh, it, it 
especially in this whole visual world of social media and YouTube and stuff like that. It's really important that you understand and acknowledge there are steps and there is a build and that can take weeks and months and years to develop a certain posture. It's just not a snapshot. So that's step, that's number one. I mean, things to never do in your yoga practice, all right, is force that posture. Now, uh, the next thing that I wanna talk about is you should never not listen to your body. All right, yes, I just did a double negative, who cares? Um, so if you, uh, like I said, if you're in, this kind of goes with forcing a posture. So if you're, you're not listening to the fact that every time you come out of a class, your low spine, it just bothers you. And it's not just, I'm okay with like, you're sore, like, because new muscles have, are waking up or you're, you're using a different technique or you're starting like sore is different than I I did so, I, my back hurts so bad I can't forward bend. Like I did so many back bends I can't forward bend. <laughs> That's not good. You know, so you should, as a teacher, if I do a heavy back bending practice with my students, I make sure that we definitely went the opposite way before class is over that we we rehab the low spine that we we got some space back into the spine that we did quite a bit of forward bending so that you can walk away from your mat and not feel like you know you're hobbling away from your mat you should not feel like that um and that goes for you know uh, you know heavy arm balancing practice or heavy inversion practice you shouldn't um you yes sore no no, you know, I actually feel injured right now. And um, I, I'm starting to get pain for my practice for the rest of the day. Um, and then not acknowledging that, you know, so if your body tells you to stop, please stop and, and listen to what it has to say. It's, it, it's your partner in your life, you know, it's the one thing you truly own for this lifetime, and that is your body. And so take care of it. If it says, you know, we've done enough on our wrist today, you need to stretch, stop. You know, you don't need to do the next arm balance with your teacher. Stay on your mat, stretch out your wrist, do some wrist therapy um, instead of continuing to egg on something that is, you know, possibly bothering you and could become something chronic. And then, like I said, when it comes to force a posture, work with someone that understands your practice so that they're they're not going to say hey what are you doing if you stop and and you're rehabbing your wrist because they know you have wrist issues you know (laughs) so find an instructor that is interested in your journey and knowing you not only uh your practice but you as a person and and what what you do outside of your time on your mat because it all adds up it all is uh good information so that uh, you can move forward and like I said, establish this lifelong yoga practice that it's not just this fad where I did yoga for two or three years and now um, now I'm really into kickboxing, which is fine. You know, that is also fine if that was your journey, but like this whole podcast and and everything is is really about that lifelong thing. So that's just, you know, um, if that was your experience, cool. Hopefully someday you'll come back. Uh, but uh, yes, so the second one that you should never do in your practice is make sure that you do not ignore your body. 
because what it's telling you and the messages it gives you are um, are are there for you to take and not to ignore and let that partnership between um, your thinking self and your you know your physical self start to communicate with each other because that really is one of the main main goals of a yoga practice as well as starting to integrate your spiritual self as well. So that is number two. Uh, Number three might be controversial, but I'm just going to dive in and say what I have to say about it. So I think that uh, a lot of yogis don't know, um, or people who practice don't have a clear point of view when it comes to adjustments and corrections from your instructor. So um, you should never... You should never be just kind of, uh, you should never, how do I want to phrase this? Um, You should have an opinion about adjustments and corrections if you're going to practice, especially as there's so many teacher trainings now, and a lot of people go to teacher training after they've had, they've practiced yoga for six months, and they get really excited about it, and they jump into the first teacher training, and they uh, really haven't established a, their own practice, then they come out of teacher training and you've been practicing for 15, 20 years, maybe 10 years, maybe five years, but you've been practicing a lot longer than this teacher that has just come out of teacher training. Um, and you should know whether or not you 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 are okay with getting a hands-on correction from that person uh, and how you feel about... Um, corrections and adjustments from them when maybe they're just trying to get through a class. You know, um, they're, they're really just trying to understand what it is to be a teacher. And so um, you need to have a clear point of view, especially when dealing with a newer instructor, which I'm not saying they're not talented and awesome and have um, tons of information, but you also should shouldn't give all of your power away to every person that's in front of you. And so um, there should be a way in any place that you practice in which you can acknowledge whether or not you would like a hands-on correction or not. So, you know, when I teach live and in person, I give everybody a card. And if they flip the card one side, then they want hands-on corrections. And if they flip the card the other direction, I don't touch them, all right? Because that is their opinion on hands-on corrections. That doesn't mean they're not going to get verbal corrections from me. You know, uh, if you know me as a teacher, you know that I love to adjust and correct and get you as close to your best alignment as possible so that you feel really great about your practice and empowered in your practice and are learning new things about the practice. That's fine. But uh, if you don't want a hands-on correction because uh, you have, let's say you have a major hip issue and you did not have time to discuss that with the instructor before class, then you don't want them touching you. You know, you, you probably might move a little different. They don't have that knowledge of you. So you should have a clear point of view when it comes to adjustments or corrections, whether you want them or not, and then who you want them from or not. All right, so because I have heard the craziest stories. And in fact, um, my own mom, when she was, she used to practice. And what ruined her practice is she got a hands-on correction 
and uh, she had back issues for months. Like the correction was not a good hands-on adjustment. The teacher forced the body into a certain position, which I just so don't understand. And um, it tweaked out her back and she had to have a couple of cortisone shots. And honestly, it like she was like, I'm never going back. Like, I don't want to do yoga uh, because, uh, you know, and it, this was a long, long time ago. But, uh, you know, it, it's those little things that you you are in control of your body at all times. Do not give your power away just because everybody else is. So if you don't like hands-on corrections, then, then lift that, like own that and be okay with it. Or, you know like I said, find a teacher that really gets to know you and then you would trust them as they come and do a hands-on correction because they they have worked with you for a long time. But establish that relationship. Uh, And, you know, and personally for me, uh, if I was going into a class and I knew nothing of the instructor, I probably would not want hands-on correction from them unless I had taken, you know, a couple, at least three or four classes with them and understood how they handled their hands-on corrections. Um, Also, when it comes to verbal uh, instructions, my favorite thing is when a student says no to me. (laughs) Like, I love it because you are just owning your body. So if I say, um, hey, Hey there, Bobby, can you please pull your uh, right shoulder forward in that triangle? And uh, they're working through some major hip tension and there's no way that that bottom armpit is coming forward even though they have a hand on the block and all of that stuff. And they just say, no, I love it. I'll talk to with them about it after class, you know? But it's not time to have a showdown. So teachers, that's not time to have a showdown with that student. You just say, great, thank you for saying no. Or don't acknowledge it all, just, you know, but normally I acknowledge it. I'll say, yeah, you know, oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Um, Because right there, they just told you something. You know, every time a student says no in a verbal correction, uh, you are learning about that student. And so, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, because then I know to have a conversation with them afterwards uh, about, you know, maybe what the issue is. And then I'm going to have that opportunity as instructor, which I take, uh, you know, I really take to heart that they're gonna, we're going to have that time together so that I can learn a little bit more about not only maybe what the injury or the issue is within the body, but about them and their life as well. All right. So, uh, yes. So if you don't like corrections or you're not ready for corrections or you feel like maybe this um, instructor isn't ready to offer you the kind of correction that you feel uh, you deserve at that point in your practice, just say no. Or uh, yeah, and even if there isn't an option to say, you know, I don't want hands-on corrections or a a sleek way like that with a card or whatever so that it's very, and the reason I do the card is because it's super private. Like there's not like this moment in class. It's like they just have, you know, this card next to their mat and I know not to touch them. And I'm great about that. You know, uh, I and they they don't feel embarrassed that they don't want that. And so um, if there isn't that, though, be okay with saying no. um, If someone comes 
if it, an instructor comes into your space and starts to give you a hands-on correction, um, be okay with be like, uh, no, please don't. And a good instructor will just say, great, thank you, and, and walk away. All right, so that is something um, not having an, uh, a, a thought about adjustments and corrections for you uh, it, that's a big no-no. All right, so that's number three. So make sure um, you really have thought about that. And I, like I said, um, some people might be like, well, then why do you go to a yoga teacher um, if you don't want the corrections? Or, you know, that's, you know, that why did they come to me? Or, you know, ah, there's a lot of stuff out there. But I think as a practitioner, especially a lifelong yoga practitioner, uh, you should have an opinion on certain things. Um, and there will be moments where you want correction and there will be moments where you don't want correction. And know when those opportunities are and the difference between them. You know, if I go and I travel to see a, a yoga instructor that I've always wanted to work with and I have no idea, um, I have never worked with them before, I am probably going to want a hands-on correction from them because I want that experience. But I also have looked into what their experience is. And so I'm very aware of who they are and what their methodology is. And therefore, yes, like I want as much knowledge as you can bring me. But I have an opinion about that, you know, whereas it would be a very different thing if it was a brand new teacher. Also, if it was a brand new teacher that I had been coaching and they wanted to try out, you know, um, how to do hands-on corrections and stuff, of course, because I have a relationship with that person, you know, uh, but it, it's, like I said, it's different. If I had just walked into um, a space, didn't really know the teacher, didn't know their background, I, I guess it would have to do with my gut instinct on it. Uh, but for the most part, probably not, especially if like I was dealing with an injury, you know, I would just be like, nah, you know, let me just do my practice. If you see anything, I really would like a verbal correction today, but no hands on. And it's just really as easy as that. And like I said, there should be zero confrontation or weirdness or anything like that. It's your body um, and you have to live in that body. So um, you get to make that choice. So have an opinion on it. All right. Because not having an opinion. No, don't do that. All right. All right, so the next thing that is something you should never do in your yoga practice is turn your practice into um, work, you know, and then when I say work, I hope you you know what I mean. <laughs> so that it's, you know, it, there's no element of fun. It's just, I've got to get my yoga practice in and uh, I'm a slave to these postures and it's all very serious all of the time. And it's just, uh, that just makes it a big pile of poo. You're not gonna have a lifelong yoga practice um, if it starts to become work. So if you are starting to find yourself in like uh, that mode, where you're like another, another session on your mat, or you, you know, it just feels super weary about stepping on your mat or going to the studio or clicking into class, whatever venue you're, you know, you're participating in at this time. Um, as a practitioner, if I have a deep, deep, like I'm listening to myself and my body is like, 
lady, if you do one more kick up into Pincha, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fall apart. Listen, you know, if it starts to become work and no longer fun, uh, or have some element of fun, I'm not saying that there aren't moments in your practice that are serious. I'm not saying it's all a big ball of laughs. Uh, but I do think that there should be this element of joy. And even on your weary days where you don't want to, where you're like, ugh, nah, yoga, you know, um, I know that if you have that experience that on those days where you just, eh, you know, and you go and you have this great class, uh, then you know that you did the right thing. But if you're continuing to go, even when you have all of this resistance um, and you never take a break and you've turned it into work or even worse, like a job, you know, um, then it's not, and you've lost that element of like joy, just take a break, take a break. You know what? The world's not going to fall apart if you don't get your back bends in today. You know, if you don't do your wall work work or you don't do your inversion work, take a break. Everybody needs a break from something. And, um, and also, like if it's, uh, if also you find yourself in a situation where maybe the classes you're taking aren't bringing you a ton of joy, <laughs> then, then, then it's time to start asking yourself what you want from your practice and, and who you want to let into that hour, hour and a half space. Or maybe it's, you know, even if it's 20 minutes, like who, who are you letting into that space in your time? And are they adding to your experience? Uh, you know, if I used to be like, uh, I used to have this whole thing about, um, if you avoid a teacher, uh, at, you know, if you avoid a teacher, you know, then you should wait a couple of months and then go back and take their class. And I would like to put an addendum on that. Like if you avoid a teacher because you don't feel great after you take that class or you just don't like their voice or whatever it is, whatever it is, because I know it's a billion things I've been teaching for, you know, over a decade now, I get it. Um, now you're not going to click with every teacher. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that teacher isn't for you, you know, before I used to be like, go back and try that class again. Yeah, maybe, because maybe you're just having a crap day, you know, like maybe you were just, you know, anything, anybody would have annoyed you the day you took their class. So yes, go back and take it. But if you've taken their class 10 times and every time you're rolling your eyes or you don't, you're not feeling great, or you just want to get the heck out of there, or you just want to click off, then it's okay. That person isn't for you. It was funny. I was um, talking with uh, my colorist, the, the, this awesome lady who's been doing my color in my hair for like over 15 years. And we were talking about that, like clients. Um, she's like, a lot of the times I feel like uh, I can tell, you know, and she's amazing at what she does. Let me just say that. Um, so she is super, super talented. She's got a really great client list and she's got this great energy. She's like, but there are certain people that, you know, they, they keep coming back to me and I can tell they don't really like me that much, you know, just from their energy. And she's like, and then they'll be in someone else's chair like two months later and they're embarrassed. And she's like, and honestly, I'm like, no, 
thank you because we weren't clicking. And so we were just having that conversation yesterday. And that's also kind of um, what I'm thinking about when I'm saying, you know, uh, maybe that teacher isn't for you. And then that teacher's okay with that too. Like, I know I'm not the yoga teacher for everybody. That's cool. You know, I, you know, I'm not, I am also not trying to serve everybody because that would make me a crazy person. You know, my big belief is if you're trying to serve everybody, you're going to serve nobody. So, um, that is, you know, something I really keep near and dear to my heart as, you know, I, I move forward with what kind of classes I teach. Uh, and so it's okay you know, you're still a good person. They're still a good person. Just maybe that relationship of yoga teacher and yoga student isn't fun and it's making your practice seem like work or a job. And then therefore, like, that's not, that's not what it's for. All right. It's your time to connect with you and guess what? It's okay if there's a little joy sprinkled in there as well. All right. So keep it light. Um, or maybe the teachers are all awesome and has nothing to do with the teachers at all. And you've just gotten into a weird headspace about, uh, the work on your mat and you've made it work. And if you make something work, then, um, it's, it seems like a drag and you will quit, you know, you're going to quit. And so take a little break, take a day off. You know, it doesn't have to be, I practice seven days a week. Maybe you practice three days a week and you're great with that. You know, maybe you practice two days a week and it's awesome, you know, and you had fun and it was joyful and it was your practice. So find that balance for you. Don't let it come and become work. All right. So that was number four. Never make it work. All right. And here we go. The final one, uh, what you should never do in your yoga practice. And that's give up. You know, Uh, this is also kind of like a duh, of course, don't give up. Um, But it's really easy to do. I mean, you might be listening to this and be like, I I feel like I gave up, you know, uh, because I during, you know, this past year, 2020, you stopped practicing. You didn't give up. You took a break. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So there's a difference between giving up and taking a break. Um, And I and. If you, you know, at one point saw yourself like in your 80s, in your mind's eye, still doing yoga, let it be just a break. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. You can return to your practice at any time. I'm sure life was throwing you um, different curveballs. And uh, in some ways, you were practicing yoga, all right? Maybe you wasn't asana. Maybe you were diving into the philosophy of yoga or, you know, you were learning all about your yamas and your niyamas. And you are, you know, in some ways, you were still the yogi uh, that you once were. You're just not practicing asana right now, all right? So it's not the end of the world. Do make a return. Um And the way to make a return successfully is to, uh, is to, you know, first of all, just book it. All right. Book the class, whatever it is, put it on your calendar, book it, um, book the online, book it online, uh, schedule a private session, whatever it is. All right. So that it's on your calendar so that you have a return date. All right. And then uh, you're going to be really kind to yourself. You didn't, 
you cannot, okay, so I do believe that there are times where you have to go back and really relearn some lessons in a certain posture to really understand what the posture, what you're going to learn from that posture again. And uh, especially in the whole Bikram and Ghosh world, they call it starting from the scratch once again. But in so many ways, you can't start from the scratch again. If you've been practicing for 10 years and then you took a year break, you can't go back and unknow what you know. All right. So you already know you just haven't physically been practicing. All right. So be kind. You know a lot. It's going to feel good to come back. I've taken a break. I took a year and a half break in in this uh, last 15 years at the beginnings of my practice. And guess what? Everything came right back within two months. All right. But I didn't expect it to come back on the first day. So it was kind of like I would go through my practice and be like, that's interesting. I can't get all the way into that. So it was interesting and not frustrating, you know, and so make it that when you come back. Don't be frustrated with what you can't do. Be interested in what you can do. And then uh, be interested in and like, huh, that's interesting information. I can no longer go into the depth that I once did here. So that I must have to relearn that posture a little bit, you know, and and that's okay. You know, um, and then also for those people who maybe haven't taken a break um, and, uh, you know, are feeling weary about their practice or you found that you were practicing six days a week and now it's one day a week and you can feel yourself about to just like throw your hands in the air and be like, I'm done with this yoga stuff. uh, Notice it and then start to figure out why you're feeling that way. Did it become work? Did you get some crap uh, correction or adjustment that kind of made you feel, you know, uh, unsupported in your practice? Uh, Did you stop listening to your body? Are you forcing postures? And that's why, you know, you feel like I'm never going to get there because I just keep working, you know, and I'm forcing, forcing, forcing. So like what, what after everything that we've also talked about, what is making you feel like uh, just... I don't know if this is for me and, and do a little soul searching with it. Like what happened? What got you to this point where, you know, and maybe it's just like life happened. I get it. And so you're only practicing once a week. Uh, but then like, did you give up, you know, that time that meant so much to you, to other people, uh, to please other people. And then how can you get back to you so that, you know, you are taking time for yourself, you know, um, and you are, actively, you know, in your life, you know, and finding uh, joy and fun um, within it. It's really easy to give your time away and all of a sudden you have no practice. And so all of a sudden you feel like you've given up on your practice and then it, it, you know, you just never come back to it. Um, But I will tell you, if you have, uh, if, if it, if your practice at one time really meant a lot to you, it's still there waiting for you. And so um, find a way to get your joy back in your practice and and get excited about it. Maybe, you know, you're just uh, bored and that, that can happen. And then therefore, you know you need to mix it up. You know that it's time for something new. Maybe uh, you never pictured yourself as someone that would balance on their hands or go upside down. 
uh, or, you know, take a different kind of class. Maybe you've been taking the same kind of class for eight years and um, the thought of doing something else feels scary or it feels like um, you're betraying your yoga practice. I've heard that before. Uh, but maybe it, it that that feeling of boredom or Ech, I don't really want to go is a sign that you should be moving on and doing something else within your practice. And so be open to those thoughts and maybe um, be okay with with changing things up. It's not a bad thing. So those are my five things you should never do in your renewal practice. You should never force a posture. You, you should never not listen to your body. Um, you don't, uh, don't be mamby pamby about, a, especially hands-on corrections, um, or hands-on adjustments, um, corrections, uh, have an opinion about that. Um, that's more of a positive than a no, but the no, no is in not having an opinion. Yeah. And then, um, never make it work, you know, let it, let it be something fun and exciting and joyful uh, and and figure that out for yourself and then also never give up because your practice means a lot to you but it also means a lot to the people around you. Uh, you taking that time for yourself to um, kind of work through your stuff on the mat makes you stand in your own power in such a way that other people will notice you and be attracted to that and you're and you will start to cultivate uh this great you know this great so you will start to surround yourself with so many wonderful people when you have a yoga practice uh because they're just attracted to your good energy because you've taken this time for you um and uh and also like the people that mean so much to you like my husband doesn't want to live with a person uh, with me if I'm not doing yoga you know uh and it's very important to him that I get my practice it's not important to him that he practices (laughs) he does other things for himself that are his self-care like you know um but for me having my practice not just my teaching but also my own personal practice that's like a no question like when i say well i'm going to be upstairs practicing there's no like oh but we could be doing this you know so it's very important because i am a better person when i've taken that hour hour and a half to kind of work through my own practice uh, and so it is very important that you do get your practice in uh, so that you can show up in the world in the way that you were meant to show up in this world and do the things and cause that positive change that I think is possible for all of us to cause. And if more and more of us are practicing yoga and establishing this lifelong practice, I truly believe that that would change the world. You know, because you yogis don't have all of these weird excuses about, you know, well, this person made me feel this way or whatever. They're they they're very in tune with the fact that they allowed a situation to happen or they you know it it's a different way of living you take full responsibility for yourself in your life and it's a very empowering way to walk through this world so know that your practice is important 
And I'm going to leave you with that today, that your practice is important. It's important to you and it's important to everyone around you. You inspire more people than you will ever know about. So I hope this chat inspires you to get on your mat today. I look forward to having more one-on-one conversations with you um, in the weeks ahead, but also know I'm lining up some really great interviews with uh, people who have been practicing for years and years and uh, I know that their stories are going to inspire you. Now, if there's any topics that you would like me to cover or questions that you have when I have a a one-on-one conversation, then just uh, message me. So you will find uh, all of my information in the show notes. You can always go to my website at meetmeonyourmat.yoga and you'll find all of the information on me. You'll find the podcast. You'll find uh, my online classes and my in-person events that are starting to pop up. And uh, and I, I really look forward to connecting with you. But I really want this space more than anything to be that space that you come to to recharge every week about your practice and uh, get excited and uh, and connect with other people that think the same way you do and act the same way you do when it comes to their practice and inspire you to keep going because your practice is important. Have a great week, everybody. I will hopefully see you on, meet you on your mat soon. Uh, have a good one. And thank you for sharing this time with me. So what do you think? Did you enjoy today's yoga chat? It was fun to share this one with you. If you think I got it right or you think I got it wrong, let me know. Or if you think I left something out, do you have something that you think you should never do within your yoga practice that you've experienced through your time on the mat? I'd love to hear from you. It's really easy to communicate with me. You can either go to my Facebook page or my Instagram, and both of the handles are meetmeonyourmat.yoga, and join the conversation there. And if you really just want to direct message me, you can do that through Instagram or you can go to my website, meetmeonyourmat.yoga, same thing. And from there, there's plenty of ways you can contact me. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe so that we can stay connected on these weekly yoga chats and conversations. I've loved connecting with you in this way. Have a great week. I'll see you soon.